Did perimenopause or menopause catch you off guard? Weird symptoms appearing from nowhere? Wondering who is this person who's inhabiting your body? And most of all, having no one to talk to about it? It happened to me, too. And with all the chaos that it was causing me, I knew I had to figure it out. I dug in, reading often outdated books and searching obscure references on the internet. I learned how our shifting reproductive hormones mess with every cell in our bodies. And as I realized how complete this hormonal disruption was, I became determined to help other women understand and control their own menopause journey. Because menopause matters. And here, we talk about all things menopause. I'm your host, Jean Andrus, and this is Menopause Matters, the podcast. Hey, everybody. This is Jean Andrus, the menopause guru, and this is Menopause Matters, the podcast. Today, we're talking about myth information, the myths that are out there about menopause that we don't even realize are just myth. They're just things that have been said over and over and over to us, and we've started to believe them. So when I talked about, when I did the podcast on menopause basics a few weeks ago, I talked about some of them, and we're going to hit those again at the very end of this broadcast. But I want to start with some things that are, are really part of what we tend to believe is true about menopause. So the first thing I want to talk about is the idea that menopause is a disease or a deficiency that is somehow we need to correct or fix. And really, this is, is definitely something that is a myth. Menopause is baked into our who we are as women. It's just as much a part of how we function as puberty is. So our reproductive life starts out as not being there. We're not ovulating. We can't get pregnant when we're three or four. When we go through puberty, we can become pregnant, most of us, when everything is functioning correctly. And then we go to get to the time where we can no longer become pregnant. Very few mammals actually do this in the wild. Most animals die very shortly after they no longer can become pregnant. Female animals, of course. So we get this thing out there, this sense out there that menopause is something that has to be fixed or cured. And it's just not true. And in fact, while medical science can keep us uh, having periods throughout our life by keeping us on a hormonal cycle, it doesn't actually fix the thing that really is menopause, which is the stopping of the ovulation, stopping of the ability to be pregnant and therefore get pregnant naturally. Therefore, anytime you see someone say, we have, quote, cured menopause, they're nuts. They're not actually able to extend the number of eggs or ovum that you have. So menopause isn't a disease. It doesn't have to be fixed. Sometimes the symptoms may be annoying enough that you want to fix them. Got that. 100% that's true. 
However, menopause itself isn't going to be fixed. And even though you can take hormones that will mimic a long-term cycle, it does not mean that you are no longer menopausal. That's myth one. Myth two is that all of your symptoms are due to low progesterone and low estrogen. That low progesterone starts when you're you start having anovulatory cycles. If you don't remember what that was, go back to the menopause basics or get a copy of the excerpts of the book where you can get the first four chapters for free just by following the link that's in the show notes. So symptoms are not just of low progesterone and low estrogen. And they are also not from moment-to-moment fluctuations of the levels of those particular hormones. Um, There are other hormones that actually fluctuate much faster in your body, much quicker. Um, Estrogen and progesterone actually don't fluctuate day-to-day, week-to-week, moment-to-moment. They actually more or less fluctuate on on your monthly cycle and they go up and down throughout that monthly cycle. It's all in the book and probably the best place to to look at it because you can read it over and over. And so progesterone and estrogen do get lower, especially after that year of no periods, but sometimes estrogen can be high or high in comparison to Uh, progesterone. And that creates a different situation called estrogen dominance, where you can have the symptoms of high estrogen. And because you can also have it just out of balance with the low, uh, with the progesterone, you can also have the symptoms of low progesterone and low estrogen altogether. Isn't that fun? So those are the the ways that estrogen and progesterone affect us, but estrogen and progesterone also affect the way other hormones in our body work, especially, and these are the four that I generally talk about, testosterone, which works better in the presence of the amount of estrogen that women are used to having. So you could have symptoms of high testosterone or low testosterone. You can also have symptoms of high or low cortisol, the stress hormone. And this is because estrogen dampens the effect of cortisol. So you're not getting as as much cortisol happening in your, as much of the full effect of the cortisol. Insulin is also better utilized in presence of the right amount of estrogen. So we find ourselves becoming insulin resistant at a greater rate when we are in our menopausal years. And finally, thyroid. And it's almost a cliche to think of women in their 40s and 50s as having lowered metabolism, less effective thyroid functioning. And that is something that also has to do with how estrogen works with other hormones in our bodies. So our symptoms aren't just due, the symptoms that we're experiencing aren't just due to estrogen and progesterone lowering. It's due to a whole host of changes that are happening in your body with both 
the female hormones that are associated with our reproductive cycle and also the other hormones that are affected by those hormones. So when I talk about it, I always include all of those symptoms because they're all hormonal imbalances that are related to the changes that are happening in you because of menopause. Make sense? Again, this is a great place to go grab the ex- the first four chapters of I Just Want to Be Me Again, because I go into great detail in explaining how our cycle works and how it changes as we go through menopause. Another myth that we have is that you can't get pregnant once you go into perimenopause or once your period stops. So if your periods stop and you've been a couple of months without a period, you might believe that you can't get pregnant. And the truth of the matter is until that year, that full year has gone by, you can still get pregnant. And the reason is that your body is still trying to talk ovum into maturing and ovulating. Now, it usually would take a couple of months of that happening for the estrogen to start rebuilding the uterine lining. So you'd actually have a period or a uterine lining into which your fertilized ovum could be implanted. And that's why even if you have a rare ovulation after that first year, it is highly unlikely. And most people would say impossible, but I don't like to say that because I have no actual data to say that on. But it is highly unlikely that you would get pregnant after that year because your body is no longer building up a uterine lining into which a fertilized ovum could be implanted. So pregnancy can happen until that one year point. And that means you need to be on effective birth control if you don't want to have a two-year-old keeping you all up all night in three years or trying to teach a 16-year-old to drive in 17 years. See what I'm saying? So for me, there was this point at which I thought perhaps I was pregnant and I thought that, oh, wouldn't it be wonderful to have another, have a baby again? And that was actually the chemicals in my body talking to me again and saying, hey, babies are cool. Babies are wonderful. Have another baby. The truth of the matter is I just spent three weeks with my two-year-old granddaughter and I could not deal with it again. (laughs) So if you are not play, not desirous of getting pregnant, and there are some women who have not completed their family when they start going through menopause, and I get that. So if that's you and you get pregnant, congratulations. But if, you, if it's not you, if your family is complete, if you're ready to get on to the next stage of your life, I strongly suggest you stay on some form of birth control. Now, hormonal birth control may not be the best idea. And there are a lot of reasons for that. And I'm not going to go into them on the podcast because I think they're a very personal decision. So if you're interested in why I say hormonal birth control may not be the best decision for you 
as you're moving towards your menopausal years, feel free to drop me a line at Jean, J-E-A-N-N-E, at menopause.guru. And I will be delighted to sit down and talk with you or give you some more information about why I think hormonal birth control may not be the best idea. Okay, so myth one, menopause is a disease, not true. Myth two, all the symptoms are from low estrogen and low progesterone, also not true. Three, you can't get pregnant once your periods stop, very much not true. Okay. Therefore, all herbals or women's medicines are safe for anyone to use at any time. And I'm talking about the traditional medicines that are found in many cultures. Some of them are Dong Kwai from, from the East, from China, Maca Root from South America, Black Cohosh, which is found in a number of areas, and a number of others, Red Clover also found in a number of number of places. All of these have been used as women's medicines to help women modulate their bad effects of periods and also to cope with the symptoms of this change of menopause. And the truth of the matter is these are taken in medicinal quantities. So if you put, let's talk about basil because basil is a, a wonderful herb that can be used medicinally. It's It can be turned into an essential oil and it can be used medicinally. But if you put basil on a salad or in your spaghetti sauce, you're not getting a medicinal dosage of those. So if you use something, what I didn't say yet, and I need to say and emphasize, is most of these women's medicines are estrogenic in nature. In other words, they, in your body, they get turned into a estrogen-like compound that works in your body very much like estrogen, which is kind of cool when you're going through a lot of hot flashes because you have low estrogen. What's not so cool is when you use them in these medicinal quantities, so not basil in a salad, but basil as a, as an essential oil, which is the concentration of thousands and thousands and thousands of drops of extract of, of the plant. When you use them in those quantities, what's happening is they concentrate and they can have this, a similar effect of taking hormone replacement therapy levels of estrogen. Now, if you have issues with uterine cancer or breast cancer, if these are something that's in your family history, you don't want to be taking anything estrogenic. So you want to walk away from those estrogen compounds. And when you're looking at when you're looking at store-bought compounds, if it has estrogen or estro or est in the name, it's likely to be estrogenic. And that's something that you don't want if you are sensitive to estrogen. Also, if you go back to some studies that were done in the early 2000s, estrogen without 
the proper levels of progesterone can be dangerous. So if you're taking these kind of women's medicine compounds, you want to be very careful that this is the right choice for you and watch for symptoms and perhaps also look to take something that is helping you boost your progesterone levels, not necessarily a hormone replacement, but there are some over-the-counter kinds of medications that can be used for the same thing. So myth four is that these herbals are safe to take for anyone. And the reason I bring this up is that I spent a lot of time in Facebook menopause groups and inevitably somebody will say, I have this symptom or that symptom. And someone will reply back, take estrogen or take another compound that is, or take black cohosh, for example, or Don Kwai. And these, it happens because they don't realize that these are estrogenic compounds that not everyone can or should be taking. So myth number five, the only way to get through menopause is to take hormones or have a hysterectomy or take other pharmaceuticals. Oh, and here's another sort of a by uh, corollary to that. You need your doctor to diagnose you with perimenopause. No, and no. So let's start with the last one first. You do not need your doctor to tell you that this is perimenopause. You can take a look at the symptoms and say, hmm, think this is it. There are some symptoms that you're going to want to take to your doctor. Uterine infections, urinary tract infections. You're going to want to go to your doctor and you know, unless you have a solid non-medical protocol for dealing with those things, you're probably going to want to talk to your doctor about treating those. Heart palpitations. Heart palpitations are a common uh, menopause symptom low estrogen. The thing about knowing that is not to say, don't go to your doctor, but it may be to say, maybe you don't need to run to your doc, run to the emergency room in the middle of a Friday night or something that if you feel okay with it, and I'm not telling you not to go, I'm just telling you that if you feel okay with it, check for the other symptoms of heart issues. And if it's, a, if it's not an emergency, then you can relax and say, this isn't anything I need to go to the doctor this instant for. Go have a check, talk to your doctor, make sure that you know what's going on. But a lot of these symptoms are not necessarily an issue to run to your doctor about instantaneously. Oh, and by the way, when you go to a specialist, your specialist may not understand that what you're dealing with is really often a symptom of menopause. I got diagnosed with arthritis in my back when I was 49. I uh, overdid some stuff and I had spent about a month with my back hurting me. And I finally wound up going to the doctor and we ran some tests and he did some bone scan, density scans and some x-rays. And he said, well, I don't see it, but this must be arthritis. Well, it was. It was menopausal arthritis, which is my body adjusting to the changes in the levels of hormones and the hormones that help a lot of our bone structures 
our the cartilage, the juiciness in our joints stay juicy comes from, hey, estrogen. The other half of this myth, the only way to get through it is, is hormones or hysterectomy or pharmaceuticals. Well, if you go back to what we said about it not just being low estrogen and low progesterone, you can see that there are times when adding estrogen to someone who is estrogen dominant is going to create a bigger problem because they're already have too much estrogen for the amount of progesterone they have. It could be that the symptoms, the more annoying symptoms are thyroid symptoms or insulin resistance symptoms or cortisol symptoms. And changing your levels of estrogen and progesterone may not be the best way to deal with that. So hormone therapy can be really helpful for some women some of the time, but it needs to be thought out carefully, carefully based on what where you are in your journey and what levels of what hormones aren't right. Replacing estrogen and progesterone is not going to solve all the problems. Hysterectomy solved not, almost none of the problems that are involved with menopause. There are other ways to deal with heavy bleeding, which is probably the one that people get recommended for. There's something called an ablation, which is burning out the inside lining of the uterus, which which keeps the endometrium, the, the buildup every month from happening. So you can actually take that lining out and you'll stop having periods, but you'll still ovulate and you'll still, you'll still go through menopause more, more or less naturally. It's sometimes will bring it on faster, but if you're dealing with heavy bleeding, this may be a much more effective way of dealing with it than having a hysterectomy. And then other pharmaceuticals will treat symptoms. So if you have GERD or acid reflux, you may need to be taking some version of a proton pump inhibitor. You might need to be taking Tums or something like that to deal with the acid in your stomach, but you also may need to be changing the way you approach your diet. Tell you how how I how this one played out for me. I wound up for several years dealing with a growing acid reflux and growing feeling that my uh, esophagus was was getting burnt out and belching and hurting and it was not good and i kept saying but coffee has never bothered me before i did a cleanse i did a a 7 day cleanse and as part of that i cut my coffee consumption by about i would say about 80% i went from having four or five cups of coffee a day to having less than one. And what happened was that most of the acid reflux went away. Coffee had never bothered me before a couple of years ago. It was bothering me now. I had to deal with it. I was dealing with it pharmaceutically for a while, but I'm much healthier now that I'm not doing the thing that's triggering it. So when I talk about working with our hormonal systems to rebalance and naturally deal with the symptoms that we're having. What happens is we don't just get rid of the symptoms. We become more well because we're treating our body the way it needs to be treated. 
So those are the five myths that I, I want you to, I'd like for you to take away from this. Menopause is not a disease. Your symptoms are due not just to low estrogen and low progesterone, but also possibly to high estrogen or estrogen that's out of balance with progesterone, plus testosterone, cortisol, insulin, and thyroid, as well as some others that are also affected in this. Herbals are not always safe. And I want you to consider that very carefully, who you are and what you're trying to fix before you go out and buy the over-the-counter supplements. You can get pregnant up until the time you hit menopause. So make your decisions based on what your family needs to look like. And if you are interested in how I work with people, then there are ways to get in touch with me in the show notes. And I would love to talk to you about how you can both eliminate your symptoms, but also promote your own personal wellness. And I will tell you, it can even include changing your weight, your weight distribution, and feeling much better about who you are as you go through this time of your life. Okay, I said that there were some things in the menopause basics that were myths that I talked about that were countering myths. And one of the things that I want to make sure that you hear and take away from this is that perimenopause does not just last a year. It's not just that year without periods. It lasts all the way back until to the time when your body stops having every period regularly. And there are things that are called ovulatory and anovulatory or not ovulating cycles. And those are the, that's when it really does start. Another myth is that once your periods stop, they stay stopped. Well, that's not true. So some women will go three months or four months without a period, and then they'll have, pick up and they'll be regular again or they'll have, they'll skip a period here and there, or they'll have long periods or short periods, heavy periods or light periods. Just know that your route through this menopause journey is yours uniquely. And so what happens to your friend, your best friend, your sister, whatever, not necessarily what's going to happen to you. Another myth that I, I like to make sure that people aren't believing is that after you've gone a year without periods, when you hit that one year menopause mark, that all your symptoms go away. And that's just not true because your body takes a lot of time to adjust to its new levels of progesterone and estrogen. And there are things that can happen that can throw off the balance that even the new balance that you've, you've gone through. So those are some of the myths. If you hang around and listen to the podcast regularly, we will talk about other things that are and aren't true about menopause. It's a complex subject. Um, I've been studying it for 15 years now, and I still am amazed at the things that I don't know about it. And one of the reasons I've started this podcast is to bring on additional resources that can help you understand and handle various aspects of it better. 
Stick with me for just a moment. We'll be get, we'll be right back, and I'll be talking about what we're going to learn in our next upcoming episodes. And I'm also going to be telling you three things that are making me smile today, because hopefully that will spark some gratitude and amazement in your own life. Are you running on empty? Do you wake up in the morning feeling like you're done for the day before you even get out of bed? Menopause can do that to you. The changes in menopause echo throughout your body, causing symptoms like depression, anger, GERD, weight gain, insomnia, and fatigue. The symptoms can last for decades. I've helped hundreds of women get better sleep, wake up full of energy that lasts the whole day, and ditch all the other symptoms that were dragging them down. I'd like to offer you a free consultation with me to find out how you can take control of your menopause journey and feel better now. You can schedule your time to talk at menopause.guru slash consult. And we're back. It's been so much fun talking about myths because they're just, they propagate themselves everywhere. But let's talk about what's making me smile today. So happy Mardi Gras, everybody. For those of you who haven't kind of read my story, I live in Louisiana and it's Mardi Gras season. And this will be played as Mardi Gras season kicks off and king cakes are abound. And so do costumes and beads and glitter and all of those fun things that make life here so much fun. And I strongly recommend that if you have the opportunity to find a true New Orleans style Mardi Gras celebration in your town or in your area, that you go and have some fun because it is a blast. Mardi Gras starts for us on January 6th and runs through until Fat Tuesday, whenever that happens to be this year. It's February 21st. So episodes that I record during this time will probably have me saying to you, happy Mardi Gras. Second thing making me smile today, um, gorgeous weather. So it's it got cold. It got um I was in away from home for a little while and it was really cold and it's, it's already feeling like spring outside. And if you love winter, like I actually do love winter, um, that may not be the best thing, but on a gorgeous day when the weather's in the seventies and the birds are singing outside and they're out there, it can be pretty fun. And the final thing I'm going to have to say is um, I'm smiling because I got home okay. Uh, my trip, like many, many trips this Christmas season of 2022, was interrupted by weather and flight delays as a result of bad scheduling at, um, oh, Southwest Airlines. But I will say that they have been very good in trying to make it up the best they can. So, yes, I will be flying more Southwest trips and even trips that I had not booked 
when that all happened. Upcoming on uh, the rest of the month of January, um, I'm going to be talking about um, insomnia. Insomnia and fatigue uh, hit 90% of us. So catch my upcoming episode about the surprising symptom that affects almost everyone. And then to finish off, uh, I'm going to be talking with another good friend of mine, Jen Bugoski. And Jen talks about uh, reconnecting with the divine feminine. It's an episode. Um, she talks to women who are both menopausal, paramenopausal, and pre-menopausal and post-menopausal. So she talks to all women about how we tend to lose our wonderful, wonderful femininity and get trapped into way too much masculinity. And so catch those upcoming episodes. They'll be really good for you as well. I'm Jean Andrus, and this is Menopause Matters, the podcast. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please submit a rating and review and share it with a friend. Menopause has many annoying symptoms, but not many are worse than the lack of sleep. If you are one of the 90% of women who suffer from menopausal insomnia and or fatigue, I'd love to offer you my free download, Five Tips to Get Better Sleep Tonight. You can get it at menopausematterspodcast.com slash sleep. And let me know which of these tips works best for you.